listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. How do you win every battle that you face? How do you live a life of what we call never-ending victory. And by the way, just a side note, I'm so blown away all the time, like all the time, by a couple of things. Number one, I'm blown away by the people who just, they do not believe that this is possible and they, they will vilify or mock anybody who takes this stance. I never thought that this was going to be a controversial thing in the body of Christ, that God could take you from victory to victory to victory to victory. I mean, just think about this. And I know, I understand that, uh, you know, you don't necessarily want to uh, um, apply everyone's personal story to your own life, but look at, look at David. I think about David under an old covenant in the Old Testament, who, you know, had even issues with sin in his own life talking about King David, who went throughout his life from victory to victory to victory to victory. And here's a man who, though he fought his whole life from the time he was a very young man, I mean, we're talking lions and bears in the sheepfold, right? That he killed by the power of God, fought his whole life. You'd think a man that never stopped fighting his whole life would have died in battle. I mean, you'd have thought that that would have been his demise, dies in battle. He doesn't. You know how David dies in scripture? Dies of old age, old age. And in fact, when he when it comes to the end of his life and he has this great desire to build God's temple, God said, you can't build it. And when he explains to him why he can't build it, he said, you fought and won so much. You've shed so much blood. I can't uh, use you to build my temple. However, your son will use it. So even God points out the fact that you've just fought and won and fought and won and fought and won and fought and won and then died of old age. So you think to yourself like, okay, here's a man in the Old Testament that God was able to use. Now think about this. Um, we know that his victories, it's not that he was just, I, I do want to point this out because people will say this kind of stuff. Well, he was just a great warrior. Yeah, but you got to realize that he even gave God the glory for his victories. That God, uh, even in times like, for example, uh, if you study the story uh, at Ziklag, when he, his wives and his children and all of his men's wives and children were abducted, it was like taken BC and they took them, abducted them and then made off with their uh, treasure and their wives and their children. And David said, Lord, I'm not even going to pursue them unless you tell me if you're going to be with me and if I'll win when I go. And God said, go ahead and go and you will overtake them and you will recover everything. You'll get everything back. So It's not like you can just say, well, he was just a great warrior. No, he wasn't just a great warrior. God was with him. God was with him in all of his battles. And he gave glory to God in all of these victories. God was with him when the lions and bears. And he said that. He said, in the same way that the Lord has placed 
the lion and the bear into my hand. He will place this giant into my hand. So David gave God the glory. So you're telling me that David could go his whole life, victory after victory after victory, because of God's assistance and God's divine intervention. And he's under an old and a worse covenant, but it's not possible for those of us living on the earth with a better covenant established upon better promises with the blood of Jesus Christ at our disposal, with the name of Jesus at our disposal, that we can't go from victory unto victory unto victory unto victory? Of course we can. Of course we can. In fact, when you start to study this and you start to really um, get your head around it, get your mind around it, you start to think, what business does the devil have winning any battles in my life? I mean, that's really where you get to logically if you start to read the word of God, what Jesus did for you, what you now have from the Holy Spirit, you start to think to yourself, well, not, it's not just should I win every battle, it's what business does the devil have winning any battle in my life? Any, even one. He's got no business because he's already defeated. He's been stripped of his power. We know that. Jesus said all power in heaven and earth, is given unto me. And then he said, I give unto you all authority over all the power of the devil. So (laughs) what business? And I'd like you to write that in the comments because what a thought. What business does the devil have winning any battles in my life? That's how you should think. So that's part of why I want to do this broadcast on a daily basis because I want people to understand, you know, if you're really part of the Victory Tribe, how does a Victory Tribe member think? How do we think about these things? Well, I can guarantee you one thing. I don't think like the world thinks and I don't think like religious Christianity thinks either. Not a bit. I don't take on all those foolish um, thought processes of, uh, well, you got to struggle, you got to suffer. I thought I had dealt with that enough and we'd gotten it out. And then all of a sudden I see more of this teaching on television, on social media from very well-known people. Very well known. And I thought to myself, uh, they know they should know better, and they don't know better, apparently. These are seasoned ministers that are getting up talking about how God, you know, it's it's funny to me, they'll have all these experiences in life, healed, come through cancer, healed of cancer. And then and then they start preaching as though it was God who sent the cancer so that it would open doors for them and take them to places they'd never been. And so and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you don't know God, do you? You don't know God. <laughs> because as much as you're a preacher and you've been a Christian your whole life, if you, really what you're doing is you're defaming God's character. That's exactly what you're doing when you talk like that. And they're up there talking about how God sent this and God sent that and God was just preparing me for what he had in a new season. I mean, it's all a bunch of spiritual jargon, but you don't know God, do you? Because if you did, you would know he's not a child abuser. You would know he's not a child abuser. What business does the devil have winning any battles in my life? And there's always going to be an attack of the devil. Connie's right. There's always going to be an attack. It's not that the devil won't try to attack you. 
It's that you don't have any business losing to the attack. We've got no business losing to the attacks of the devil, losing battles with the devil. And let me just say this because I know this is going to be controversial and I, I'm still blown away that this is a controversial message, to be honest with you. Very blown away by it. But it is. And people don't believe it. But let me just show you something. God is not going to do anything else to make you successful, to make you victorious. He's done all of those things already. He sent Jesus. Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus shed his blood on Calvary's cross. Jesus descended into the lower parts of the earth. He led captivity captive. He was resurrected on the third day with all power in his hand. He ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. And then on the a day of Pentecost, he sent the Holy Spirit to the church, which empowered us, totally empowered us, to have authority over every single attack of the enemy. Doesn't matter. We have no business losing battles. Now, this is not to uh, condemn you if you felt some, some losses. I'm telling you, because remember this, a couple of things I want you to remember. Everything that we uh, are able to do in the kingdom is based upon what level of understanding and truth that we have, right? So there are people, uh, the reason that they may lose some battles, the reason they may, they may deal with some of this stuff, it's not because they don't necessarily have faith, but they may not have truth, right? It takes faith, but it takes truth. If you ever uh, were able to take one of the courses we released in Miracle Word University, and we've got new courses that are going to come out for 2022, but if you were able to take the course that we did on mountain-moving faith, which is so vital, let me, let me encourage you. If you've not taken that course on mountain-moving faith, I want to strongly encourage you to go to MiracleWordU.com and sign up and get that course on mountain-moving faith. Um, in that course, I teach the thought that faith is compartmentalized and people say, well, what does that mean that faith is compartmentalized? What it means is faith is not just general. Faith is always topical. I'm going to break this down for you. Hey, Britt, love you. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, faith is always topical. What do I mean by that? Faith is based upon the thing that you need to use it for. So to be even more clear, the Bible says in the gospel of John chapter eight, verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So catch this now, you can't have faith for anything that you don't know exists. So you might remember the first time in your life when you found out that Jesus was not just a savior, he was a healer. Well, if you didn't know Jesus was a healer, how could you have faith for him to heal you? If you had never received any preaching or teaching on the subject of divine healing and how Jesus will heal you of sickness and disease, how could you have faith to believe God to receive healing? You had faith for salvation because you'd heard that. 
that you need to be saved of your sin. Jesus is the savior. You've heard those things. So because you heard that, you had faith to receive that. But until you heard teaching or preaching on the subject of divine healing, you didn't have faith on that topic because you didn't know it was a thing. You didn't even, there were people, I've preached to people, they didn't even know God was willing to heal them every time. They thought it was random. Well, God, I know he can do anything, but I thought he just kind of picked and chose when he would come down and do his thing. No. Katie said, I'm taking the faith course right now and it's helping so much. Thank you, Katie. But catch this now. It's topical. I can prove that to you from the Bible. Paul goes to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. And Paul finds 12 men there. And he says and asks them a question. He said, uh, have you received the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit since you believed? You know what their answer was? We've not even heard there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit. So they could not have received the Holy Spirit because they didn't even know there was Holy Spirit. See what I mean? And so it's about the truth you have. The more truth of God's word that you have, the higher that you can fly in the kingdom of God. You'll know the truth. So if you don't have freedom in a certain area, I believe, according to scripture, it's because you don't have enough truth in that area. If you don't have freedom in a certain area, I believe it's because you don't have enough truth in that area. Because you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free or make you free. How does faith even come? The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we have uh, the entrance of faith into our life about any subject through the hearing of God's word. That's why I've uh, dedicated myself to come on and do these broadcasts every day of the week because I want to build your faith with the teaching and preaching of the word of God. And so one of the things that we can definitely establish in this broadcast is this, the origin of power is the word of God. And I want you to put that in the comments because it is a foundational truth for today's broadcast. The origin of power is God's word. Amen. The origin of power is God's word. And I mean, you, you can look right from the very beginning of scripture back to Genesis chapter one and see what we're talking about. Genesis chapter one, verse three, listen to how God began to create. And God said, and God said, let there be light, right? And God said, the word of God is the origin of God's power. Let me, let me take you further into back to the gospel of John. And you'll know I'm taking you to one of my favorite passages of scripture in the whole Bible because there's so much to John's introductory uh, statements in his gospel. You could spend probably six months as in a church setting teaching from John chapter one, verse one, all the way down to uh, verse 18. You could probably teach that for six months and never exhaust it. Probably longer than that. Probably longer than that. But what are we saying? That the origin of God's power is God's word of all power. So we, we look at this, and this is something you got to get in your spirit. John 1, 1, in the beginning, 
was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Stop right there and catch this timeline. Nothing existed before the Word of God. And, and as you'll see, uh, as you read down through this passage, and I'll read it to you, verse 2, he, talking about the Word, was in the beginning with God. Look at 3. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So here's what you got to catch. That nothing existed before the word of God. Anything you see on the earth came through the word of God. It is the creative force that is the origin of every single thing that you will ever see. Everything came through the word of God. It is the power that God used to not only build the earth, but catch this if you've never thought about it, to save the earth. I was meditating on this yesterday that notice what God did when he needed to save the earth, to bring redemption. Who did he send? The word made flesh. Think about that. He sent the word in a flesh body to redeem the world. He even redeemed the world through his word. Powerful thought. Everything, the source of power for everything is the word of God. Did you know even the Holy Spirit will not do anything, not anything, that is outside the realm of God's word? Nothing. So you could even think about it. God has chained himself to his word. Think about that. God, and that's where I'm going, Linan. Linan, why are you ahead of me, Linan? I'm here. I just turned to Hebrews chapter one, and I, and Linan's just she's victory type. She's ahead. She's ahead. She's a victory type mind. Catch it now. Uh, we're talking about Hebrews chapter one, verse number three. Uh, speaking of Jesus, by the way, he, the pronoun, he is Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. Come on, man. Woo! You see that? He upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's Hebrews 1.3. Speaking of Jesus. Hmm. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What does he do? He upholds the whole universe by the word of his power. And so you've got to realize every, every uh, bit of the power that there is available, the origin of all power, it is the word of God. So wh why do I say that? Well, the reason I say it is because when you look, and I had you turn to Ephesians chapter six, where I'm going to go, when we're looking at winning battles, which is why uh, Paul's writing this to them about winning battles, because uh, he's talking about the attacks of the enemy. Now, it's an understood thing that the enemy's going to attack. We don't ever have to wonder, you know, is the enemy going to try to attack? Yes. Let me just give you the answer to it ahead of time. Yes, he's going to try to attack you. So it's understood. In fact, Paul says to the Corinthians, 
We're not ignorant of the devil's schemes or his devices. So Paul, speaking to the church in Ephesus here, he's wanting to tell them how they can succeed no matter when the devil attacks. They can always be victorious. Always be victorious. Um, and I've, I've dealt with this before, but I want you to see how vital. Now, we've established the fact in the, in the broadcast today that the Word of God is the origin for all the power that's available. Hallelujah. Notice even the Holy Spirit. Here's what's amazing to me. You say, well, what about the Spirit? Yeah, but you can't separate the Holy Spirit from the Word of God. Because how did the Holy Spirit, re, study it for yourself, how did the Holy Spirit even come to the earth? Do you know what Jesus said to his disciples? He said, when I go, I will pray to the Father and he will send you another comforter. Woo! Do you see it? I will pray to the Father and he will send you another comforter. Uh, so even the Holy Spirit came through a word from Christ. Christ, who is the word, spoke a word to the Father. And the Holy Spirit was sent. So even the Holy Ghost came through a word from the Lord. And if you want to get really deep on it, um, you can go back and study uh, one of our courses in Miracle Word University on pneumatology, that's Holy Spirit course number one. We're going to do a Holy Spirit course number two for the gifts of the Spirit. But one of the things we teach you there is that if you get really technical about it, the Holy Spirit actually comes from the mouth of God because the Holy Spirit is the breath of God, the wind of God. We've, we've taught, I've taught extensively on that about how uh, when God speaks, his breath is the Holy Spirit. His breath, the breath of God. That's why if you go to seminary or, or you go to Bible school or whatever, and you take that course like we have in Miracle Word U on pneumatology, that word pneuma in the Greek language, uh, it actually means wind, breath, or spirit. Wind, breath, or spirit. And that's what it is. It's the breath of God. It's the breath of God. When God blows his breath, I mean, that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. What did they first hear? A sound from heaven. Like what? A rushing, mighty wind. God was blowing his breath upon the early church just days before. Hadn't Jesus done the same exact thing? He was resurrected from the dead. And he comes to those first disciples. And what did he do in the gospel of John chapter 20 to those first disciples? The Bible says, and he breathed upon them and said, what? What did he say? Receive the Holy Ghost. Come on, man. Think about the power in that. Before God ever blew it on everybody, Jesus blew it on his chosen disciples. Do you ever wonder that? It's like, why did, if that's not the case, then why would Jesus bother breathing upon them? Why didn't he just lay hands on them? Why didn't he just, no, because it's the breath of God. 
And he made it very specific what they were receiving. Receive the Holy Ghost. So they got almost, they almost got like uh, the sneak preview of what was coming to the whole church when they received their salvation at that moment, receive you the Holy Ghost. Most scholars agree here, the disciples were receiving their conversion, their, their salvation, because there's no point for them to have to go wait in Jerusalem to be filled with power from on high if Jesus already breathed on them and they got filled or baptized with the Holy Ghost. And so what we understand is happening there at the end of John is that the disciples after the resurrection are receiving their conversion. They're receiving their new creation reality, you see. And so you see it receiving the Holy Ghost. He breathed upon them. And then 10 days after Jesus' ascension into heaven, God breathed on everybody. They heard a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. Hallelujah. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Man, if you haven't shared this broadcast today, you need to share it with somebody because people need to get this message in their spirit that there is a power that's been imparted to your life that is the Holy Spirit, but it's never outside the word of God. God has chained himself. He's tied himself to his word. God will never violate his own word. He will always fulfill it. And so Paul is teaching them about what can we do to be successful and victorious, no matter the attack. See, that's why I'm not breaking it down. I'm not going to break down, you know, well, here's how you got to be successful for sickness. And here's how you got to be successful in depression. You could do that. And I have done it in the past, but I, I at, at the baseline level, I want you to understand that these principles work no matter the attack. And I'll show you that in a moment from Ephesians six, no matter the attack. So Paul says this, and, and you've heard me say this phrase, he said, finally, be strong in the Lord. So what is that? If we stop right there and break that down, what does it mean? It means the church in Ephesus was responsible for their own strength. Whoo. If we get this right here, so many Christians would, the struggle truly would be over in their life. It truly would be over. So please put it in the comments uh, if you're watching live or even on the replay. And if you're listening to the podcast, just say it out loud or put it in your notes. I am responsible for my own spiritual strength. I want you to put that in the comments. I'm responsible for my own spiritual strength. Turn your world upside down. Put it in. I am responsible for my own spiritual strength. Strength. Whoo. When you get that revelation, man, you'll refuse moving forward to be defeated by any means. I'll not be defeated. What business does the devil have winning any battles in my life? I'm responsible for my own spiritual strength. You say, well, doesn't God do all that? No, God gives you the tools and then he expects you to get strong. It's like God builds the weight room and then expects you to work out. That's exactly what it's like. God builds the weight room and then expects you to work out. I'm responsible for my own spiritual strength. If God's people never take any steps to build spiritual strength, he will not make them strong. 
God will not make anyone strong who doesn't want to be strong. In fact, you can see it through the Old New Testaments. There were many people that got stronger as they lived their Christian life. Or even before there was Christianity, like John the Baptist. He became strong in spirit. John 180. Or excuse me, Luke 180. Jesus became strong in spirit. Luke 240. So even Jesus and John the Baptist had to grow in strength. Right? They had to grow in strength. And so what does Paul say here? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on. So now he's going to explain to you how to be strong in the Lord, how you are responsible for your own strength. Does it say in verse 11 that God is going to put these things on you? Or does it say that you've got to put them on? Right? You put them on. You put on. So, so understand, when we read verse 11, if you've taken English, you know this, you is the understood subject of the sentence in verse 11. He doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to say it because we understand it. He's saying, you put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. When he just says, put on, you can say that without saying, you put on. And he's telling them to do it. You put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So if I make the choice to refuse to put on the armor of God, then I'm the one making the choice to stay spiritually weak and to lose battles. And every time the enemy comes in like a flood, there is no standard. I have nothing to stop the attacks of the enemy, not because God wants it that way. I personally have chosen to not put on the armor of God. And Paul said, don't do that. Be strong in the Lord. Put on, you put on the whole armor of God, the whole armor. He emphasizes that. And, and not only does he emphasize it, he breaks it down so there won't be any confusion. You put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Amen. And then he explains why we have to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not people we're fighting against, but the rulers and authorities and against cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. That's why we got to put it on. Then verse 13, so therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Now, every time I teach this, people are blown away that this is true. But watch what happens when we start breaking these pieces down. Watch what happens. Take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand, stand firm. Verse 14, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Truth. What does John 8, 32 say that we just covered a moment ago? And you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. What did Jesus say? I am the way, I am the truth. And who is he? The word. He is the word made flesh. The truth is God's word. The belt that we should be wearing what holds the whole thing together? What is this element that holds the whole outfit together? It's the belt of truth. What is it? 
the word of God, having put on what the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So see that the second element here of the armor of God, the word of God is one and number two, righteousness or right standing with God, righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by what? The gospel of peace. What is the gospel of peace? The word of God. So now we're still down to two elements, God's word and righteousness. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. How does faith come? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. So even the shield of faith is made up of the word of God. That's how faith comes. But notice what that shield will do with which you can extinguish all, get this now, all of the fiery darts of the evil one. <clears throat> I put this in, uh, what was it? A couple weeks ago, because I want you to get that now. Here is the, the real crux of the matter. Do you have the shield of faith or not? Because if you do have it, and I want you to put it in the comments, if you do have the shield of faith, how many darts does it extinguish? Put it in the comments. It's not, it's not a trivia day, but I'm going to give you this one trivia question. If you have the shield of faith, how many fiery darts does it extinguish? Pop that in and let me know in the comments section. I'm seeing a lot of people say all, 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 all. And that's exactly right. That's exactly right. It extinguishes all. So if we're properly dressed with the armor of God, how many of these fiery darts should get through? How many should we have to be dealing? How many should we have to pull out of our skin? How many should we have to pull out of our children? How many should we have to pull out of our loved ones? How many should we have to pull out of our physical bodies and our marriages and our finances and our minds? None. We shouldn't have to pull any of them out of us because every single one should have been extinguished by the uh, shield of faith because it extinguishes all of the fiery darts, not some. I don't know. Now, now work with me here. Work with me. Does anybody see how somebody could read these instructions from the Apostle Paul? And it's really the whole Bible is written by the Holy Spirit. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's breathed out by God. And so how could we read this passage and think that if we as believers just simply do what the Holy Spirit commanded through Paul and put on the armor of God, how could we make up a doctrine that there are times when we really should be struggling? There are times when we really, we should have, you know, there are just, there's up years and down years, brother. There's just times where you get slapped around in life and you got to learn how to bounce back. Where do you get that from this passage? Where would we get that from, from thinking? If I just hold up the shield of faith, every fiery dart is extinguished. 
So I don't understand how I can get that theology reading what Paul is teaching in context to the church in Ephesus. How do I come away with the thought that sometimes the devil will get you? Sometimes the devil will get you and you got to learn, you know, and then you get these people that preach, my setback was a setup for a comeback. It's like where it sounds nice, you know, and it's a way to make people, I guess, feel better. But I mean, like, where do you get that? That God expects you to have setbacks or that you have to have setbacks. My setback was a setup for a comeback. It's like, where do you see that in Paul's theology? He said the shield of faith when lifted will extinguish every fiery dart of the evil one. Now, again, what did I say before? I I said very clearly that I know not everybody's at the same level of faith. I know not everybody is at the same level of knowledge of God's word. I get that. I get that people are still learning. I get that people are still building their faith and they're still, uh, some are very immature in the body. Some of them are very mature. So I get that not everybody's at the same level. But if you've been in the body of Christ for a number of years and you've been having good teaching, how you can remain in that mindset of, uh, well, sometimes I'm just telling you, Sometimes these things cut through and you got to deal with it and you'll go through a problem, but really God's, it's, he, he's good with it because he's using it for your glory. So I don't know what you're talking about. It extinguishes all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation. Salvation. What is that? Righteousness. Once again, two elements and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Catch it now. All the elements we've covered so far in the armor are righteousness, right standing with God, and the word of God. Right standing with God and the word of God. Listen now. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. So get this now. The final... uh, the final uh, element here, prayer, prayer. And if you really want to be technical about it, any prayers that we pray should be based on what? The word of God. That's why if you have the book that uh, I released this year before the fast started in January on a a complete guide to biblical fasting, you'll know that the end of the book, I do a whole section where we give you 100 prayer points with the scriptures included so that you can pray and pray the word of God, right? You can pray and you can pray the word of God. So even when we pray, we've got to pray the word of God. So even the prayer section of the armor of God is truly the word of God. If not, you'd have nothing to pray, right? So all of these things, all of these things are boiled down to right standing with God and the word of God. How are you going to put the word of God to work? Stay alert. Stay alert. So we start to realize this, that the origin of power, the origin of power is the word of God. Now, I'm going to say something here that I I think is very important. I want you to write it down because this struck me. It struck my spirit. I want you to write it down. The capacity... I'm going to say it kind of slow because I want you to to chew on it for a second. 
The capacity of your spirit is the seed of supernatural living. Now think about what that means for a moment. The capacity of your spirit is the seed for supernatural living. I can guarantee you right now that the average believer does not live to the capacity of their spirit. I can guarantee you. The average believer does not live to the full capacity of their spirit man. Remember this. The capacity of your spirit is the seed of supernatural living. So what you do, you say, what do you mean it's the seed? What you do with the capacity of your spirit, that's the seed. What I choose, anything I do, anything I release is a seed. So what I choose to do with the capacity of my spirit will determine whether or not I live in the supernatural realm or if all of my results and all of my experiences are natural. Because you've got this massive capacity in the unseen realm, in your spirit man, unlimited capacity, but then some people never take any advantage of it. They just like, they live as though they have to live life like an unbeliever would. Well, let, me, let me give you an example of that practically. You've got a Christian who has a covenant relationship with the divine healer, with the great physician, Christ, the healer. But they still live their life as though they have to go through every health issue, every medical problem, everything that everybody else in society is going through. Because, well, you know, that's just life. Then let me ask you a question. What's the point then of having a covenant connection with the divine healer? What's the point in having a covenant connection with the great physician? If there's no benefit of having that relationship, then why have it? We can believe that he can re completely recreate our spirits and place us into the presence of God for eternity. We can believe he'll do that but we can't believe that he can heal our physical bodies or an even higher revelation than heal our physical bodies is keep us from all sickness and disease. Let me tell you, when all these things came out last year and this year, there were ministers that canceled, I'm talking about evangelists like me, that canceled their own schedules, canceled their own schedules and said, you know, pastor, I think it would be more wise and I think it would be better if we just, you know, postpone this until a more, a more, because of sickness, because of sickness. And you're the preacher. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. There were pastors that did the same. We're in trouble. If that's where our spiritual leaders are, we're in trouble. I, I just posted a, a memo that went out to uh, assemblies of God ministers in Fiji talking about the fact that if they are not vaccinated, then their papers, their credentials will be taken away. They'll, they'll be downgraded from pastor or whatever to just, you know, a minister or leader in the local church. And this is where a, a full gospel organization has gone full gospel. 
Supposed to be Holy Ghost, signs and wonders, full gospel. This is where they've gone. We've got problems when that's where our leadership is. And so they don't live to the full capacity of their spirit. There's no supernatural living because they don't live to the full capacity of their spirit. They don't live to the full capacity of their spirit. That's the seed of supernatural living. When you realize the capacity on the inside of you, why would I have to deal with depression and anxiety like the rest of the world does when I have the connection to a comforter who is the Holy Ghost? Why in the world would I, as a Holy Ghost-filled believer, have to live at the mercy of something that unbelievers live at the mercy of when I have the connection to a comforter? Why would I have to live at the same level of financial struggle that the world does when I have a divine connection to a provider? The capacity of your spirit is the seed of supernatural living. So you start to realize I can build my spirit in these areas until I'm so large on the inside. There's nothing the devil could even think to do that would even, you know, it's like I, I never stopped traveling. I touched everything, ate everything, rubbed shoulders with everybody, sat on every plane, touched every railing. I mean, laid hands on every person, never social. I mean, everything. That stuff is not coming on me. What's the point of having this capacity of a supernatural lifestyle if it doesn't work? Might as well hang it up and do something else. Now listen to what the word of God does. I'll give this to you. Paul said to the Ephesian elders, Acts 20, 32, I now commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to do two things, build you up and give you an inheritance. Two things the word of God does. Builds you up, gives you an inheritance. Yeah, sipping slowly on, on every plane. Uh, I'm sorry, sir. I'm still enjoying my beverage. Please move on. <laughs> yeah, but I'm still drinking. I'm still eating. Um, catch it now. Builds you up and give you an inheritance. Listen, there is no built up strength without proper nutrition. There is no building of strength without proper nutrition. And what we found out is that this word is the nutrition that you need. Listen to this quote from F.F. Uh, F. Bosworth who wrote Christ the Healer. Listen to this quote. You, and I want you to write it down. You cannot take command beyond the capacity of your spirit man. Put that in the comments. I cannot take command beyond the capacity of my spirit man. That's so true. So true. I cannot take command beyond the capacity of my spirit man. It's impossible. If my spirit is weak, I can't take command. If my spirit is strong, I'll not lose battles. I'll not lose battles. And so I don't have time to break all these down, but... The Bible, God speaks of his own word as nutrition. In Ephesians, it's the water of the word. In 1 Corinthians and 1 Peter, it's the milk of the word. In Matthew 4.4 and John 6.48, it's the bread of the word. In Hebrews 5.13, it's the meat, the strong meat of the word. 
And Proverbs 24, 13 and 14, it's the honey of the word. And then in Acts 2, 13 through 21, it's the wine of the word. Each one of these is stronger levels, stronger levels. Let me tell you something. Milk will do for your body what water cannot do, nutrition wise. But bread will do for you what milk and water can't do. But meat will do for you what they can't do. You see, and every level, it gets stronger and does something different for you. That's why not everybody can handle every level at, this, at that point in their life. Paul said that to, to the Corinthians. He said, I was frustrated with you because I wanted to give you solid food, but you were babies in Christ and I had to give you milk. I had to give you milk. And he said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He was frustrated, but the more you grow, the more the capacity of your spirit man go, gets larger and larger, stronger and stronger, you can, ha- you can handle different levels of spiritual nutrition. For some people, it would just offend them to hear that level of correction because they're not at the place yet. They're still growing. Others are searching for correction. They're looking for somebody to guide them because they're wise, because they've understood, they've put their flesh under. That's maturity. Not everybody's at that place. Not, not, not everybody's at that place. Now think about it. I'll finish here before we pray. Jeremiah, the prophet, what did he say? Jeremiah 15, 16. He said, Lord, I found your words and I ate them. I ate them. I ate them. And they became unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart or soul. I found your words. I ingested them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And somebody quoted in the comments uh, just a little while ago what Jesus said when he was being tempted by the devil. And the devil said, take these stones and turn them into bread. Now, Jesus had been fasting. He was very hungry, very hungry, 40 days of fasting. And you know what? Jesus said something in Matthew chapter four and verse four, so powerful. No, man, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every what? Every word, every what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So catch it. Your spiritual nutrition is the mighty word of God. Fill yourself. I'm putting together for the new year, a Bible reading plan for those of us that are faithful, that are going to do it. And I announced it. We're going to be doing our 21 day fast. And you can mark it on your calendar. It's going to be from January the 2nd. Last day of fasting will be January the 22nd. January the 2nd through January the 22nd. We're going to be fasting, praying. I've got a Bible reading plan for you that's going to be available. We're going to do it together. We're going to stand together believing for divine possession in 2022. And we're not going to allow the enemy to come in and mess with our families, mess with our finances, mess with our minds, mess with our uh, ministries, our business. It's not going to happen. What business does the devil have landing one fiery dart? He doesn't have any business doing that. No business doing that. And so we're going to stand in faithfulness. Now we're still believing. We got what? 30 some days left of this year. What's today's date? Today's the 24th. So that means we've got what? 37 days left in this year, 37 days left for God to perform wonders. And then we're crossing over. We're crossing over into divine possession supernaturally. And it's going to be a powerful, powerful year, powerful year.
And so I want to pray for you today and believe God. Maybe you've been a battling and you've been having attacks come at you, especially at this final moments of the year, hit the holidays and people seem to have crisis after crisis come up. But let me tell you something. I'm going to pray today. And I know you're strengthening your spirit. You're on your uh, growth track to a place of overwhelming strength and power. Well, get ready because the best days are ahead of you, not behind you. Let me be the one to encourage you. You're not going to fail. You're going to make it. God has got your back. The Holy Ghost is working on your behalf and things are changing for the better in Jesus' mighty name. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every Victory Tribe member, those that are faithful, those that are watching. Thank you for every partner of this ministry. I pray today for those that have been facing attacks of the enemy. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, today to touch them supernaturally. Lord, I rebuke every attack that's come against them. I take authority over sickness today. I take authority over disease and depression and anxiety. Issues in the marriage and issues in relationships with children. I take authority over sin and bondage and addiction that's held people in a place where they cannot do what's pleasing to the Lord. Lord, break every chain today. Set the captives free. And I pray that you would quickly perform wonders before this year comes to an end. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for that. I praise you. Give you all the glory, honor, all the praise. In Jesus' wonderful name. Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Listen, I love you. You're going to have a great day tomorrow, I'm sure, with your family. Enjoy it. Some of you might be traveling right now. Some of you might be actually driving and listening to this uh, broadcast today. I pray you have a, a great day with your family tomorrow. I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow a seed before you go today on the broadcast. You can go to miracleword.com and take a step of faith to sow your seed. Again, don't forget, we are all standing in faith, believing that before the year comes to an end, we're going to sow a seed that is going to move the hand of God. Provoke God to bring us into the overflow that he has planned for us. It's a seed of faith. Something that will shake you into a place of, you know what, my flesh isn't okay with this, but my spirit man is crying out to God for increase. That's what we're doing. That's what I'm encouraging you to do. So before December 31st hits, get that seed in your hand and sow something that is meaningful. Something that will move the hand of God. On the screen you can see it. MiracleWord.com, all the ways to give her there. Cash app, PayPal, Zelle, Venmo, hashtag donate. You can use cryptocurrency, any way you'd like to do it. Credit card, debit card. You can even mail a check. Our address is at the bottom of every page on our website. Every page. MiracleWord.com. I love you guys so much. South Africa, what's up? You're in the house. I hope to get back as soon as possible. I pray everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving. Now's not the time to think about what you're eating. Eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> Feast. There's times of fasting, but let me tell you something. There are times of feasting, and we are in one of those times right now. So I want to encourage you, eat up all the pie that you can. Eat up all the turkey you can. Take a nap. Get back up and eat more of it. You know what the best part is, in my opinion? The best part of uh, the Thanksgiving dinner is the leftover sandwich making. That to me is the best part of the Thanksgiving dinner. If I can get an amen on that, you gotta get yourself a nice big bakery Kaiser roll. You get a nice big bakery Kaiser roll. And then you gotta 
Why, why, why did you say that, Dylan? Dave Matthews, man? Are they going to be performing? You got to get a nice big Kaiser, Kaiser roll, and you got to fill a turkey. Oh, I know why you said it, Dylan. Uh, eat, drink, and be merry. Yeah, I know. Uh, ants marching. So you got to put, I'm going to give you the, the ingredient here. You ready for this? The Kaiser roll, the turkey, white meat for me. You can throw a little dark in. Plenty of mayonnaise. Plenty. Plenty. And use the real stuff. Don't use that nasty stuff. Use the real stuff. Mayonnaise. Throw it on. Turkey. Got a big, thick slice of tomato. Woo, that'll change you. Now, if you want to do it Thanksgiving style, here's the way to do it. You do the, the Kaiser roll. You got to do the turkey. You got to do the stuffing. Right? Got to do the stuffing on there. Hot stuffing. Got to do cranberry sauce. Throw the cranberry sauce on there. Throw it up in. A little out of mayonnaise. Now, I learned this from watching Friends from Ross and Rachel. Are you ready for this? And, 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 and so, here we go. The moist maker. Who knows what I'm talking about when I say the moist maker? That's when you take an extra piece of bread and soak it in gravy. And you get that gravy-soaked piece of bread and you put it right in the middle of the sandwich. Right over the meat, right by the stuffing, the cranberry sauce, the mayonnaise. Woo! It's getting ready to get real, my friends. It's getting ready to get really real. So tomorrow, uh, celebrate it up. Have fun. Eat your pie. Yep, Boxing Day in England, exactly. Leftover egg rolls, turkey, stuffing, or mashed potatoes. You can throw some mashed potatoes on that. That's absolutely right. Definitely got to fast after that. That's right, man. I love you guys. So we won't be back with you tomorrow, but <clears throat> Friday, I'll be back in the morning, 10.30 a.m. This coming Friday. And then this Sunday starts our final scheduled revival of the year, Murfreesboro, North Carolina. Sunday through Wednesday is on the calendar. All the details are at miracleword.com. I love you all so much. Have a phenomenal Thanksgiving. Have fun with your families, and uh, I love you. I'll talk to you uh, Friday morning. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.